Side Hustle Show 311. This is creating your own niche and along with it, your own income. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because the best way to predict the future is to create it. My guest today was staring at a future of pharmaceutical copywriting, which has cubicle farm written all over it, and wanted out. Today, April Whitney's view is quite a bit different. She's a personal trainer, and she sells a fitness program online at smalletics.com, S-M-A-L-L, edX, like athletics. But more interestingly, she's become the leading voice in the niche of petite fitness, where the story gets interesting is that it's a niche that, for all intents and purposes, April invented. Nobody was searching for this stuff, but when women found her, or more accurately, she found them, as you'll hear in this episode, something resonated. In fact, April sent me an email that got my attention. Starting from a brand new business a little over a year ago, she's built a tribe of over 10,000 followers, raised $8,000 on Kickstarter for her first product, and now sells $1,000 worth of that product on autopilot every month. Stick around in this episode to hear how April found that tribe, converted them into followers and customers, and the products and services she created that ultimately funded her quitting that cubicle job to do something she loves. Notes and links for this one, plus the free PDF highlight reel with all of April's top tips from this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash April. Now, whether your business involves kicking clients' butts at the gym or providing some other type of service, you're going to need a reliable way to get paid. For that, I rely on our sponsor, FreshBooks.com, when I need to send an invoice to clients or advertisers. FreshBooks has invoicing, expense management, proposals, time tracking, and more, all in one place, so you can spend less time on admin and paperwork, and more time growing your business and serving your customers. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today with no credit card required. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about us section. Now, obviously, health and fitness is an insanely competitive space. Everyone has their own health journey they want to share, but it was when April began seeing great results from a fitness program she designed for herself and her specific body type, she started thinking, that other people could benefit from it as well. I'll be back with my top takeaways from the call with April after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. After I kind of realized that I had stumbled upon this special formula for petite women, I immediately thought, okay, I have an idea here. I think I could help a lot of petite women. And the next step I took was I went on Instagram, I created a new profile and I started talking about petite fitness or short girl fitness and I started to get some women messaging me. And what I did was I took this program and I asked 20 women if they would test out and test drive my program for free. And they would provide me with progress photos and just basically they they would commit to the program and we'd see how they liked it and if they got the same results I did. So I immediately wanted to see if this program would be as successful with other petite women as it was on me. And it turned out to be outrageously successful. These women totally gained a lot of muscle. They toned up, they lost weight. So that was the first thing was I just thought, oh my gosh, I have to test this out and see if it's going to have the same benefits for other petite women, sort of like test my theory out. So these were like total strangers on Instagram. How did you connect? Yeah. In terms of 
starting my Instagram, I started with just focusing on content. I posted a lot of my own workouts. I really wasn't sure what I was doing a few years ago. And I just thought, well, you know what? If I provide content that is providing value in some way, that it's informational or educational or entertaining, one of those three things, instead of just a picture of I don't know, me working out or something. If I thought that if I provide enough value, then people will save it. They'll interact with it. They'll want to talk more with me about how they can do the same stuff. People started coming to me with questions about it. Was there any hashtag strategy? It's just like, it seems like Instagram is a little bit tougher nut to crack, at least for me, because it's not super searchable. It's hard for stuff to go viral. It's hard to, you know, for people to see it unless unless somebody tags them in a photo or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just curious, like how, how are you getting initial eyeballs to this content? Yeah, absolutely. It does seem, it does work sort of differently than other social platforms. So something that's helpful is to understand more about how the Instagram algorithm works. So Instagram shows people content that they think will be relevant to them. And the way that they gauge relevancy is based on your direct interactions with other people. So if I'm interacting with someone in, in the direct messages and DMs and I'm also commenting on their photos and they're commenting on mine and we're liking each other's content, my content is going to appear higher on their feed because Instagram has judged that my content is relevant to this person. So if you can kind of understand that Instagram is looking to show relevant content to its viewers and its audience, what you can do to increase your basically visibility is start reaching out to your ideal clients in direct messages and just send them a, a video clip in the direct message. It just says their name and, hey, I, you know, I wanted to connect with you. You can send them something that you think will help them for free. I had a freebie workout plan that I would reach out to women a little bit later on to kind of just show that I wanted to help them and that I was interested in their fitness journey. And also commenting on all of your sort of ideal audience's pictures and liking their their photos, this is all going to make you more relevant in the eyes of Instagram. So there's no shortcut or hack. There's no app or third-party thing you can use with Instagram. It's really just establishing that you're genuine and connecting with people and basically being social on social media as much as possible. Yeah, it sound, as you're explaining it, it sounds like a lot of work. It's very much like guerrilla warfare one-on-one at the very beginning to try and... yeah build up just to make connections like now did you find these people were they were they posting with hashtag short girl problems or like how did you even because it's hard to tell how tall somebody is like based on their feed yeah it's funny you ask that it's it's hard because it's not always an identifier for people people don't always really talk about their height especially on social media especially if you're insecure about your height which is something i try to kind of combat through my messaging but yeah, I used hashtags. And then I also found that there's this thing that trends sometimes on Instagram where other influencers post that they're petite. So I found other influencers that were short in the fitness space. And it turns out that their audience, they had a lot of petite followers as well. And they're commenting on, they're basically making themselves visible in the comment section of these other profiles and saying, oh, I'm 5'2 as well. Like, I, I really like your workouts because they seem like something I could do as a short girl. So it's kind of like, it's a lot of work. You do have to dig around, but people do sometimes post about their height. And when you find a post that says, maybe it's a meme or something about height, there's usually so much engagement on that post that you can go in and start engaging with the people in the comment section. Okay, interesting. So you're doing it through the comments, doing it through direct messages. What was that initial direct message like? Like, hey, I'm April, I have this program about 
you know, petite fitness or just like, I think I can help you. Like, how do you do that without coming across as like pitchy spammy in the first message? I always spent a good amount of time getting to know them before I would just message them. It wasn't like I just found their profile and then messaged them kind of cold. It was like I had been following them for a while. I engaged with their content. I had kind of become friends with them. I had been, you know, responding to their, I'd watch their stories on Instagram and then respond to them. So we've connected a little bit and eventually it just became, they became interested in what I was doing anyways. And usually they would ask, but if I did kind of cold pitch myself, I'd just be, I just, you know, maybe it's someone who liked my photo or something. I would message them and just be like, Hey Sarah, it's April from Smalletics. I just wanted to reach out and connect with you. I saw that you're also petite like me and, you know, just tell them that I help petite women get in shape and I have a resource that I really think that she would like, and it's totally free. And then I'll just drop the link there. And the link was basically the lead magnet or freebie. It was a first, the first week of my fitness program for free. And it's very high quality, has high definition videos in it. And I didn't hear a single person get back to me and say that they weren't in love with it. A lot of them that really hooked people, they really just thought it was an awesome program and they appreciated getting it for free. So I think if it's genuine and I mean, I truly want to help petite women, these are my peeps. So I think if it's authentic that people can pick up on that and they're more willing to spend energy on you. I think when you it, when it's clear that you didn't spend time getting to know, know them at all and you just cold message them and you it's so much about what you want from them, then they are turned off immediately. But if it's more about what you can do for them, then they're more likely to engage with you. Yeah, I got you on that. That makes that makes sense rather than just like, hey, everybody, here I am here by my thing, you know, go to the lead magnet first, like, and then yeah. hopefully having them implement it, see some results from it. They're like, now all of a sudden, they're, they're April fans. They're saying, okay, this is, this is for me. This is awesome. You know, what else have you got? Yeah. I'm curious about the, the content side of things, the educational content that you're talking about on Instagram, because in the fitness niche, it seems like, okay, here are pictures of these super fit, attractive people, but not necessarily the most educational content in the world. It's almost more aspirational, like, oh, I wish I could look like that person. But you've kind of gone a separate route or a different route with the educational stuff. Can you give an example of what educational content is on Instagram? Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. There is a lot of content on Instagram that is very aesthetic based and superficial, but I really wanted to go deeper because I'm not just talking about fitness. I'm talking about health, true health, and also confidence. So I'm trying to help petite women see their bodies as powerful and strong despite being short and also feel tall. So I wanted to go deeper and I knew that posting a selfie or a pic of my abs really wasn't going to cut it. And I'm also just not that it doesn't I'm not comfortable posting that content myself. It's just not me. So I did take the educational route. And an example of that kind of content would be maybe a full workout where I break down how many sets I did and how many reps and why. Or I talk about the science behind the petite metabolism and maybe how you can kind of step by step, how you can focus on gaining muscle or losing fat. There is room for inspirational content, but I've just found that being inspirational or aspirational is not going to convert people into your customers as well, because you really need to work on establishing yourself as an expert and show people that you are certified, you do know what you're talking about, it works, and kind of leading that way. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and 
you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Was it a lot of videos early on or was it still image and then text-based instruction on, you know, this workout plan or this specific set that you were working on? So I actually didn't start selling anything at all for probably six months after I started my account. I didn't even have a product then. I was just really passionate about fitness and being short. So I actually just posted workout videos and talked about fitness from my own personal journey and built relationships that were genuine on the platform before I even started talking about what my plans were or kind of what I was going to try to do. And that was even before I started testing the program. So everything, I was on Instagram, not sure where it was going to go. And it ended up just leading me to genuine relationships. And yeah, it was tons of videos of me just working out at the gym. I hadn't even, I didn't even know at the time I was taking a educational approach. I was just kind of sharing what I had been learning through my certification and through the last 18 years of working out. Was there ever a point that you were thinking this is going nowhere or this is just too slow or I I don't know. Was there any discouragement on that front or did you see the engagement? Did you see the the interactions right out of the gate? Because now I look at the account with over 10,000 followers and it's like, well, shoot, this is a no brainer. Of course, this is a great niche. But I'm just curious if there, if it was, if it was always that way, because it's like, you know, the hindsight is 2020, of course. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There are so many moments where I wasn't sure of what I was doing, but that was only when I focused on numbers or likes and that stuff just doesn't matter. You can build a whole business off of a thousand followers if those followers are really, really engaged and dedicated and it really helps them. So I think 
whenever I get in that mindset of like, oh, maybe I'm maybe, you know, I'm not big enough or something, which I think it happens to everyone who's trying to start a company and kind of grow. I, I just think, okay, it's not about the numbers. If I can help one woman, that is my mission. That's always my mission. It just has to be valuable to that one person for this to be worth it. And then I'm able to kind of just keep on pushing out great content. Okay. And one cool thing that I noticed on your Instagram account is something that was introduced to me at FinCon recently, a tool called Linktree, which, so Instagram famously only allows you one link in your bio. Yeah. This is a way, this is a workaround for this, right? Yeah, Linktree is useful for people who have, you want to drive traffic to maybe a couple different places. Some people really don't think it's a good strategy because it depends kind of what phase you're in in your business. And if you're going through phases in your business, maybe you have a phase where you're trying to grow your email list, you maybe want to take away Linktree because it drives traffic to different places and just put one link to build your your list with a freebie or something. But where I'm at right now, currently, I'm using Linktree because I have a lot of different places that people ask about. They'll DM me about my fitness program. They'll DM me about the CBD oil I use. So I just put different links in there for now. But for sure, if I have a much more specific phase I'm going to be in, in the future, I'm going to remove Linktree for that month while I'm kind of campaigning and just drive traffic to one place. So it kind of just depends how you're using it and what your strategy is. Gotcha, gotcha. But it's free. Okay, so initially driving driving traffic to the lead magnet, which was the first week of the program for free. Was this just on the website itself and it looked like I thought you were using Squarespace for the site. Yes, I use Squarespace. So I developed basically a little squeeze page, just a just a landing page that it's so simple. It just has a photo of me and says, here's your free week of workouts that's designed specifically for your body. And then they just click the link and download it. And it's just set up through MailChimp through automation just to send an email out that welcomes them to my list and introduces myself and then obviously gives them the freebie. And I actually created kind of a funnel for that stream. So I set up some emails that have recipes and sort of information about the plan to kind of drip feed throughout the week as they're doing the program just to kind of stay top of mind. And I always encourage people to reply to the email. So I'll end up engaging with them in email a little bit. And then at the end of the week, it kind of just asks them, okay, if you want to go on to week two, you can purchase the full guide on my website. Okay. So that was available pretty early on? The full program wasn't. So f- I just had the funnel basically nurturing my leads and talking to all my potential customers. It wasn't until a year later, actually, we just launched a few weeks ago. So a year and change later that it was actually available to continue on to week two. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that transition from you know putting out all this free content and really becoming a member of this community and building this tribe on social media, on Instagram specifically. The transition into getting paid for this. <laughs> so what was the first thing yeah. uh, that you sold? How did you sell it? Mm-hmm. So I quit my job and I immediately went into freelance copywriting because that was what I was doing at the time. And even though I had been an athlete, I didn't have my fitness certification yet. So I needed to complete that and pass the test. So I went on Upwork and I did freelance writing for... Actually, I did it for fitness professionals. So I ended up doing marketing for other fitness influencers for a couple months. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bridge the gap uh, that way, provide some, provide some income. Exactly. And then what ended up happening was I got my certification. I did a six month apprenticeship with two master trainers in New York city, just to kind of apply the textbook to real life and really feel legit because I don't do anything 10%. I want to do it 
all the way. And I really wanted to, I know so much about fitness, but I wanted to know more about working with people and just to legitimize my coaching background. So I started taking on clients, not, it took a while until I started taking on clients after my certification. So I was doing a lot of copywriting for six months. And then after that, I transitioned. Your personal training certification. Right, right, right. Yeah, my personal training certification. And then... Do you think that was important? Do you think people on who are following you online necessarily care about that? I think it's so important because fitness is such a saturated market. I think that you... At least it's important to me to be scientifically accurate and be actually certified and capable of handling these the journey that your client's going on. So I, just for me, I think it's really important. I would never hire someone who wasn't certified in nutrition or fitness. Okay, so doing the copywriting stuff, doing the personal training in person, it sounds like. And then mm-hmm. were you starting to do personal training online? Like, is that a thing? Can you do personal training online? Yeah, totally. And that's something that I'm going to be getting into more in 2019. I do have on cl- online clients right now and it's totally doable. It just really depends what the person is looking for, because obviously you're not with them one-on-one, but you can provide a sort of the way people use Teachable to teach courses. You can use Teachable or Thinkific to create a platform where you walk people through their you know, their three-month workout plan trajectory. So the first week would have, you would upload their, you know, their custom workouts, maybe their nutrition plan, and they just go through the plan. You provide a video library and it's it's kind of like auto tutorial. They need to do it on their own, but they have you available for support and they have all of the sets and reps and the food that they need to eat. So it can be done online, but it doesn't mean it's for everybody. I think some people prefer an in-person trainer and other people would prefer to just work with someone online. Okay. Tell me about the online program that you sell today or that, you know, you were given away the first week for free as the lead magnet. Tell me about building the rest of that out and launching that thing. Yes. So that was the biggest project to date for Smalletics. After I launched a beta program, what that did was that gave me materials, marketing materials to use for a crowdfunding campaign. So I did a Kickstarter about six months after I tested the program. And the Kickstarter funding goal was set at $7,500. And we actually surpassed the funding goal by 11%. And it was a 30-day campaign. I wanted to do a campaign to expand my brand and get more people to hear about it. That was one of the biggest things. But also to raise the funds in order to really get the program professionally produced. So I wanted the videos to be professionally shot instead of just on my phone in the gym to just make it such a high quality product that people, you know, everyone would be happy with. So the Kickstarter was a massive project and it was all about basically it's all of the work for a campaign is done before you go live. So that's, you know, building up an email list so that there's already people who are going to be backing the project on day one. It's about kind of Everything I did was prior to the launch date before I hit the live button, like setting up automated emails to go out to your personal network and other influencers you know, and just making sure that the day it goes live, it's already being kind of reposted all over everyone's Facebook feed to create that kind of surround sound effect. So I did that whole campaign to then create and finish the Petite Strength Plan. And that was this is like spring 2018? It was this past summer. Yeah. June and July, I think. That's incredible. Like 8,000 bucks from, you know, from 150 backers. Like it's not a huge audience at this point, but you know, you were very intentional going into it. And it's an interesting strategy 
for pre-sales instead of saying to your existing audience, hey, I'm going to build this thing. Are you interested? It's, you know, putting it on this other platform and hopefully tapping into the larger community of, of Kickstarter backers. Did you find that the campaign got attention, got traction from people outside, you know, people who didn't know April already? Yes, but it was through the strategy I used. So Kickstarter actually didn't give me that much traffic. I probably less than 1% of the backing came from actually Kickstarter because I wasn't big enough to become sort of a featured product on their page. Although if you do have a really great acceleration of sales in the first 24 hours, you could be featured by them, become a staff pick, and then get a ton of traffic to your page. So that's the strategy for a lot of bigger companies that have bigger products. But... Basically, I used online communities. So I would go into Facebook. I was a part of, I don't know if you know about the Skim, but I was in the Skim Ambassadors Facebook group and I've been engaging there for a while already. I let them know about the campaign. There, There's thousands of women, I think, in that group. So that got quite viral. I also went into Ladies Get Paid. They have a Slack channel. It's just for women. And I know that I know my target audience pretty well. So I know a percentage of women in the demographic will be five foot four and shorter. So I also posted it in there. And I got a lot of new traffic to the Kickstarter page from there. So I did do campaigning that was outside of the Instagram network to kind of help drive traffic to Kickstarter that day. The, the other curious thing about this business is, you know, is this something that people were looking for? Or is it almost has to hit them in the face and be like, oh, you know, a program just for me versus... I don't know if if, <laughs> if people are like, I know I'm going to look for a, a petite fitness program. Like I'm not looking for skinny, tall dude fitness program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a great question because that was one of the th- reasons why I almost didn't start the company is it's actually in terms of SEO and in terms of keyword search, it doesn't perform well. I think it's like a hundred searches a month of people looking for short or petite fitness. And they say, you know, you should have some proof of concept and maybe not go into a niche that's that niche. But I think that I just went with it because it was my gut feeling. And what's ended up happening is I now have the number one first page of Google, first results for if you search petite fitness, small addicts comes up. So it's made me kind of the best in the niche because there's it's a very small pool and there's virtually no competition. There are blogs about short girl fitness, but no one is actually coaching women in this space. And I think that, yes, once it once it arrives to someone they and they're petite and they're a woman, they think, oh my gosh, this really makes sense. But they are not actively searching for it, which does make it more difficult for in terms of discoverability for smallletics. Nice. Yeah. Outside yeah, it's like the, the search volume would have told you, hey, don't start this thing. But it yeah. it hits on this emotional level that it's like, oh, this is something for me. I didn't know I needed it, but but yeah, it works. So post Kickstarter, so that raises the funds to produce this, you know, digital course, digital, you know, workout plan, fitness plan. Now at this point, it's evergreen. Yes. And and people could come to Smalletics and, and just buy it outright. Yes, that's correct. What's the price point on it? It's $97 and it's been generating about $1,000 in revenue per month without sort of campaigning it too much. I always I always talk about it on my Instagram, but I'm not, you know, I'm not doing any active campaign on it currently. Okay. Yeah, a digital asset that you can sell over and over again. Just remind people occasionally on social and, and I imagine through email as well. What else is ringing the cash register? Because you mentioned, hey, I'm in New York. You're not going to get by on a thousand bucks a month from from this course sale. 
<laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that does not fly here. So in-person training is where I get most of my income. And a big thing that helped structure my business with that was just moving from an hourly rate to a package basis. So just packaging clients by the month or by... I Right now, I sell a three-month program. It's a transformation inside and out program for petite women to work with me one-on-one. It includes a lot of nutrition help, currently getting my nutrition certification. So that's my biggest revenue stream. I also have a small number of clients online, but I am keeping it small right now because I'm about to expand it in a big way in 2019. I also get a really, really small amount from affiliate marketing. So I have an Amazon Associates shop. And what I've done is in my digital ebook, any of the links to fitness equipment or anything, I just provide my Amazon link so that if they click on it, I'll receive a small commission for linking them up to the product. And affiliate marketing, just in terms of commission, I also do that for products that I use every day and really believe in. I don't do commission for companies that I don't believe in or like any supplement or anything that's you know, skinny teas, I'm really not into that. So it's it's really products I believe in. I also teach just one group fitness class a week and that's more just for, because I like it. I have the petite strength plan and that's about it right now. But I am trying to kind of diversify my streams, my revenue streams. Yeah, it's an interesting business in that, okay, this allowed you to quit your job, stop doing freelance copywriting. But it's interesting that you're going, you know, primarily local in person when you imagine the audience on social is you know worldwide what's it been like to find i mean certainly a a percentage of those people are going to be in new york be like i I can work with april directly what's it been like trying to get those clients and kind of do this career transition the clients in person or online yeah in person it's a lot of word of mouth so people that i actually used to work with in pharma will reach out to me it's a lot of people from instagram who found me online using hashtag personal trainer NYC, who also happened to be petite. Oddly enough, I got two clients from that hashtag. And yeah, it's kind of just from outreach on Instagram, even though I have a lot of followers that aren't in New York, the majority of my audience is New York based. So just the ones that end up taking the leap and reaching out for a consultation, those are the ones that I end up working with usually. Okay. So what's next for you? You mentioned trying to transition to more online client work for for 2019 online personal training what does that look like in terms of the the plan to to tackle it so yes in 2019 i plan on moving completely online taking my existing clients online and my my reason for doing this and how i'm going to go about it is i just think there's so many women i want to help who are not in the new york area and if i'm online and i can automate more of the processes, it's going to allow me to just reach more women. So right now when I work with people, I end up repeating myself a lot because every client has to go through kind of that those learning curves. So when I take it online in 2019, I'll be building out a really comprehensive course that's tailored to petite women and it will take them through everything they need to know from their nutrition to their diet program and how to train and eat for their fitness goals and for their health. So in 2019, that's definitely going to be my focus. Yeah. And as we've seen from guests like Nagina Abdullah, that can be worth quite a bit of money to the right crowd. Those those last five or 10 pounds could be worth a yes. lot. Yes. I remember that episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for you. This is cool stuff. Uh, really cool what you've built so far and, uh, and to see where you'll take it next year and beyond. So smalletics.com, S-M-A-L-L-E-T-I-C-S, smalletics.com, like athletics, but small in the front. 
thank you for joining me and enlightening us on all things uh, Instagram and otherwise. <laughs> uh, let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Sure. Thank you so much, Nick. So I my number one tip for Side Hustle Nation is to just take massive action. I didn't come up with that phrase. I heard it from somewhere about two years ago when I was sitting at my desk at my job. And I just had this realization that take massive imperfect action to not get too hung up on making things perfect and to just kind of take the leap and take a ton of action and worry about sort of the quality later, like refine it as you go. And that's kind of the best advice I can give. Very good. I I remembered one other thing I was going to ask you, and that was the size of the audience, size of the email list at the time of launching the Kickstarter. It was only 250 people. 250 people on the email list and you got 150 something backers? Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I think if you have a really engaged audience, even if it's small, you can do really well. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really cool. Thank you for for sharing that. Yeah, you don't need a, a huge audience to start making big moves. So April, again, thank you so much for joining me and we'll catch up soon. This edition of The Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, the cloud accounting solution that's recommended by 97% of small business owners. I was chatting with Rob Eng, who's actually a senior marketing manager at FreshBooks, about a new feature they're rolling out called Proposals to help you win more jobs. We found that our estimates is a great feature when you kind of know what the job is, but we wanted to help business owners win more jobs, and that's through Proposals. So we're pretty excited because what that is is really an expanded estimate that allows you to add content, images, uh, you can show what value that, that you can provide to your client up front, and which includes maybe attachments of your work, if you're a designer as an example, testimonials from, from other customers. You could even outline you know, how you want to proceed with that project. And what's great is it's all integrated within FreshBooks. So when you do win that job, you can easily convert that into an estimate and you could have them pay upfront or a deposit and have it all synced in so it's all within one system to make things a lot easier for you. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for bookkeeping bliss in rockstar support. One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than social butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This Is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business and Inside You'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those uh, tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a lot to unpack in this episode from niche selection to Instagram to Kickstarter to freelancing to digital product sales. But these are my top three takeaways from the call with April. Number one is to be the only. What niche can you be the only in? If you are the only person that speaks about a particular problem or speaks about it in a particular way, your target customers are going to naturally see you as the expert 
and naturally see you as the person with the solution. This is something I think April did really well in creating the Smalletics brand. I can't make you taller, but I can make you feel taller, feel more confident. And if she can find white space, if she can still find blue ocean in an industry as noisy and crowded as fitness, I'm confident you can find it in every niche out there. I think this was one reason my original shoe business work, instead of being just another comparison shopping site, it was the only comparison shopping site just for shoes. So what can you be the only in? That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is to turn weaknesses into strengths, or rather turn perceived weaknesses into points of differentiation and points of connection with your customers. This definitely worked for April in turning her height from a perceived disadvantage into a rallying point, something her customers could identify with. In a way, the Side Hustle Show, I think, has done the same thing. Like, hey, I've got limited time, limited budget, but I want to make something happen. I want to hear from people like me who figured something out rather than from big-time startup founders who raised millions of dollars, had a team of people, and worked 20-hour days. What is a perceived disadvantage or weakness that you have that you may be able to use to better connect and relate to your target customers? That's takeaway number two. Takeaway number three is to ask for the sale. And I should add, asking for the sale isn't always a monetary exchange, but instead it could just be elevating the relationship somehow. April laid the groundwork with her Instagram hustle, making these one-on-one connections, engaging in conversations, but she always had a next step. Hey, follow my account for fitness tips for people just like you. Comment on this post. Hey, go download this thing. I think it'll help you. Support my Kickstarter. Join my program. Let's work together. So what's the logical next call to action for your customers, your prospects? There's always something to do. And if you make the ask, if you are direct about telling people what to do, I think it greatly increases the odds that they do it. So speaking of asking for the sale, let me take a dose of my own medicine here for a moment. I recently launched the Progress Journal, which is a productivity tool to help you feel more effective and satisfied with your work. It centers around five key habits. I've found that when I implement them consistently, I make much better progress and I'm happier for it. You can check it out at progressjournal.net to learn more. Grab a copy or two or three. Makes a great gift. Again, progressjournal.net. Notes and links for this episode, plus the free PDF highlight reel with all of April's top tips are at sidehustlenation.com slash April or also through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where we're catching up with one of my favorite guests and learning how to avoid or escape the fate, if you want to, of your side hustle becoming just another job. How to think and act like a business owner instead of somebody who's just self-employed. I'll see you then. Hustle on.